I want to say though that this is particularly devastating to me because it implies that after you're dead, your ghost can change outfits. And like I've been out here dressing every day like it might be my last. Like if I'm gonna be a ghost, <laughs> I'm gonna be fly as hell. Welcome to Saving People Queering Things, the supernatural podcast where the guilt that haunts the Winchesters turns out to be literal ghosts sent to torment them. Today we are pulling up to season four, episode two. Are you there, God? It's me, Dean Winchester. I'm Abigail, one of your hosts, and my pronouns are they, them. And I'm Elena, my pronouns are she, they. And with us today, we have two of our favorite co-hosts that we love having, uh, our dear friends from Driver Picks the Podcast. It's Jamie and Beth. Hello! <laughs> that was so synchronized and I loved it. <laughs> Occasionally we share the brain cell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely love that for you (laughs) we're so happy to have you back we're very happy to be here (laughs) and this is my first time getting to like do like an episode with both of you so I'm very excited yeah it's very exciting and it's our first non-goofy episode to record together so that's fun yes it's a very not silly haha episode it's a very much intense emotional episode (laughs) we all have a Mm -hmm. lot of feelings episode Hey everyone, it's Noah. Just needed to pop in here with a quick update, and then I'll let you get back to the rest of the episode. For the start of Season 4, we really wanted to do something special to try to connect with our listeners more. And so Abigail spent a lot of time and effort creating a gorgeous piece of embroidery that really draws all the elements of our show's energy into one piece. It's got rainbow colors across it, one of the best quotes from Supernatural so far. It's got Tiny the Ghost from our logo. It's just honestly so gosh darn cute. I wish I could win it, but even better, one of you will win it. All you've got to do is head over to our Twitter page at queering underscore things. Make sure you're following us if you aren't already. Our giveaway post is live as this episode airs on September 26th, 2022. Go check it out and you could be getting your very own work of art from us over here at Saving People Queering Things. Now, sadly, this giveaway is limited to our listeners in North America specifically, just because this embroidery weighs a little bit, and so we don't have the funds to send it overseas. We are planning out and working on an all-inclusive listener giveaway for a bit later on in the season, so stay tuned for that. But for now, we've got this absolute masterpiece. Honestly, I can't stress enough how cute this is, so seriously, go to Twitter right now and just let Abigail know how great you think it is. We would absolutely love to do more of these giveaways, so just let us know which you would like to see given away, maybe we'll make it happen. One more time, that's at queering underscore things. Go check it out. Enjoy the rest of the episode. (laughs) Jamie had me in stitches. Well, now that you've met all of our hosts for today's episode, it's time to catch you up. So if you haven't watched Supernatural recently, here is what you've missed on the road so far. Episode two. (laughs) I will do this episode and I will probably fuck it up. I think both times I've done this, I have gone over the limit. (laughs) I believe in you. Thank you, Elena. (laughs) Are you ready? Can one ever truly be ready? (laughs) Not for this. No. First up, Jamie is going to recap the season so far. Let me know when you're ready. (sighs) Gotta gotta stretch it out. I'm a fucking athlete here. Okay, I think I am ready. Okay, three, two, one, 
go. Okay. Supernatural stuff's real. Monsters are real. We've got a family of three people, two sons and a father. John's a dick. We're moving on. He was missing. He was found. Now he's dead. Okay. Now we're getting up to season two. There's something funky going on with Sam. His blood isn't normal human blood. It's like demon blood or some shit. Okay. Now they're in the Hunger Games. Sam's dead. Dean (laughs) tells his soul so that Sam's alive now. And then Dean dies because he sold his soul for Sam. He was in hell. Now he's not in hell. Maybe it's angels. Who fucking knows? That was actually quite good. That was marvelous. That was incredible. I'm so glad you did that and not me. <laughs> I thought you were you were getting down to like eight seconds left and you hadn't hit season three. And I was like, oh no. And then you <laughs> pulled it out in the last four seconds. To be fair though, nothing happens in season three. No. <laughs> they spend three since he working like, up. Dean's to- dying and that's the entire plot line. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they and develop nothing else. that is why I enjoy it. And it's such a good season. <laughs> And now Beth is going to do our recap for this week's episode. Beth, are you ready? I'm never ready, but I'll give it a red hot go. (laughs) (laughs) That's the spirit. You use that phrase other times and I love it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm going to count you in. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so basically this entire episode is just an argument on faith. So Dean is like, no, God can't be real because shit keeps happening. That's terrible. And I can't accept that. And Sam's like, no, Dean, angels are real. I've been telling you this since season one. What are you talking about? Is the Sarah Gamble long con? And then Bobby and Sam and Dean are all being attacked by ghosts from their past. They figure out that they are witnesses because it's a seal that's been broken by Lilith. Oh no. And then Cass comes at the very end and he explains it to Dean. He's not a like sit on your shoulder angel. He's a warrior of God and like they're at war and it's a whole thing. And maybe Lucifer is going to rise. Who knows? It's bad. Well, Oh, wow. Look at that. I got it much better than last time. That Do you know what? I stayed within the 30 seconds. So by default, Mm. it is, I'm technically- Last time I was sitting here going, Ben, stop. (laughs) (laughs) That was a really good recap. That was was a a wonderful set of recaps. Like you actually caught us up fully on literally everything basically you know. (laughs) Marvelous. It is now time for us to pick some music that will accompany us on our journey for discussing this episode. This is part of our endeavor to collect a bunch of songs to turn into a season four mixtape. So this is what we have for this week. Yeah, I'll start us off. The song I've chosen for this week is Liar by the Arcadian Wild. I think it works really well for the themes of this episode and I am excited about it. Okay, I guess I'll go next. The song I chose this week was Overwhelmed by Real and the Serpent and It's not completely, but it's a song about not knowing what the fuck is happening and like everything's (laughs) just too much. And it also has like the glitchy TV noises, which big like 401 vibes. Nice. And like the the interference that comes along with the angels. Ooh, I like it. I love that. So the song I chose is Hammers by Alec Benjamin. And it's, I love Alec Benjamin just generally, but this song in particular is, I mean, it's Hammers, which has its own like supernatural connotations, but it's all about basically like if hammers can be used to destroy things, surely they can also be used to build things back together. And like the choice Mm. that you have of like, what do you do with the tools in your hands? Do you use them for their destructive purpose or do you use them to fix the things that are being destroyed? Love that. I like that. That's really good. My song pick for this week is Broken Crown by Mumford and Sons. One, because I I feel like it's got a really good sound, like tonally, like it just is very similar and on par with this episode, but it's also just got a lot of lyrics that are like very direct nods, I feel like, to what Dean is going through. Like, the pull on my flesh was just too strong, stifled the choice and the air in my lungs. Like, come on. Like, that's... Oh, it's it's just such a good song for the, the pull vibes. on my flesh oh. is a very literal <laughs> yeah it's just really good nice 
This is a good set of songs. This is a very uh, intense set of songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, now that we've got our mixtape, it is time for the hunt of the week. And we're going to start our discussion on today's episode, which is Are You There, God? It's me, Dean Winchester. And we're talking about this episode through the theme of grief. Anywhere anyone would like to start about with their thoughts on the episode. Grief fucking abounds through this episode. Like the fact that the theme is grief and we're dealing with ghosts of people they didn't manage to save. Like sometimes it's a little too on the nose and I enjoy it. (laughs) I do think it's really worth mentioning though. The biggest loss that Dean suffered in this episode is the fact that he sent Sam specifically to the store for pie and Sam didn't (laughs) get it for him. Oh, that was my like, for, for this for this season, that was my official something is wrong with Sam <sighs> moment because they even have in there like this little nod where he's just like, when have I ever forgotten the pie? Like he always remembers it. And so when he gets in that car and he's, he doesn't have it and he's just like, where's the pie? I was like, <gasps> Sam, Sam's priorities are just all out of whack. <laughs> he is not himself. What's going okay. on? But what gets me about that moment is he's specifically going to the store for pie. That's why he's going. <laughs> like the, the catalyst of him going to the store is for pie okay elena i'm really glad that you brought up like that this episode triggered you're like oh something's up with sam moment because i also have a something up is up with sam moment for this episode Ooh. but it's very very different and it's for a really okay. different reason okay it's actually and this is actually it could tie quite well into like your theme of, of grief for this episode as well when dean is being confronted by meg right later in the episode kind of like Oh, yes, the the human. Mm -hmm. I was like, there is no Meg in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's okay. By by the human, not the demon. Yeah, so when when Dean's being... (laughs) When Dean is being confronted by Meg, sort of in the third quarter, I guess, of the episode, getting into the second half. Anyway, she has this quote where she says, you know how little siblings are. She was the never the same after I disappeared. She just got lost. Oh, yes. Oh. oh yes right right now oh watching big mystery spot vibes there yeah oh, big mystery spot vibes and also like carrying on into later season four when we find out more about how sam was dealing in the months that dean was dead mm-hmm. and you know and meg even specifies like you know i had this little sister you know she worshipped me and you know all this stuff like she really looked up to me and then yeah you know can you imagine what she was going through when i just wasn't there and you know it it's very specific I think to yeah the fact that in Sam's grief he just gets lost and it's Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. I guess talking about like what you mentioned like Sam is just not himself as he has been in the last three seasons because he never forgets the pie like he could never Mm -hmm. do that but you know he's he's gotten lost in that sense Mm -hmm. it's a really good point he's gotten lost in his grief and then because of that when Meg confronts Dean with that it's oh there's the grief that dean has about letting sam down at the same time as he was trying to save him mm-hmm. you know of like lo- leaving a sibling behind is its own particular kind of grief and for him to be confronted with like the fact that sam was not okay yeah is is a whole thing mm-hmm. the one thing i like kind of going off of what you were saying i just feel like meg presents a really good foil for kind of both the brothers in this episode like in terms of talking about the grief because it's like the things that she's saying to dean like he very much gets what she's describing because of his worry for sam but also like in talking about the sibling like you know her sister 
Like she's basically describing what Sam went through. Yeah. And there's even the quote where she says, do you have any idea what it feels like to be ridden for months by pure evil while your family has no idea what happened to you? And it's Uh like, yeah, actually he does. Uh, (laughs) You know, and so you make a great point. Like it's very much we're getting through Meg, like in a very like narrative sense, a really interesting sort of outside perspective on both of what Sam went through and what Dean went through in terms of like their grief. And they're both grieving different things in very different ways as well. I think Sam obviously was grieving Dean, but I think Dean is in his own way, like grieving almost an an innocence, Mm. I guess. Yeah. The idea that like, you know, Dean knows that about himself. He knows he doesn't want to live in a world without Sam. One of the reasons he made the deal originally, but I don't think he's confronted until he comes back. He's not confronted with the fact that Sam also doesn't want to live in a world without him. Yeah. One thing that we have talked a lot about on our pod, and I know you guys have talked a lot about as well, is like the parent-sibling complex between the brothers Mm. where like, (laughs) it's like Sam and Dean have a very different understanding of what their relationship is. Yeah. Like, Dean is like, no, I am your fucking parent. And Sam's like, we're siblings. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like normal, normal siblings are. Yeah. And so Dean kind of like has a very different idea of like their relationship than Sam does. And so it's like a different kind of responsibility to each other, I suppose. Yeah. Dean's like, of course I of course I sacrifice everything for you. Like that's what a parent is supposed to do for their kid. Mm-hmm. Whereas Sam's like, we sacrifice everything for each other, which is yeah. like a very different, like Dean is, is so much characterized by like the responsibility piece and the, like, this is my role in our relationship. Yeah. It's, it comes from such a different place, but they, but Sam would, Sam can't see it because he's not, he's the child in the relationship. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, not the parent note, like also just uh, the way to just hit us in the face with the symbolism of Bobby, like being yeah. afraid, like having to deal with two kids, specifically like sisters that he mm-hmm. couldn't save. Like they felt like such Ooh. a stand in for the fact that Bobby feels like he let Sam and Dean down because he wasn't able to save Dean from going to hell. And so because he wasn't able to do that, he wasn't able to stop Sam from going down whatever this path he's on that I'm sure Bobby can tell that Sam is not the same right now. He's just- Well, Sam fucking ghosted him. Yeah, I was going to say, Sam like dropped off the map. Yeah. And so it's like, so Bobby really did lose both of them. Bobby watched them both die. Yeah, he watched them both die. And- the spirit that is confronting him with this rising of the witnesses is two children that died right out of reach of him that he like just barely couldn't save. And I feel like that is sometimes the symbolism in the show is very, very good. And this is one of those episodes where they just really nail it. I had not even thought about them being, those kids being a stand-in for Sam and Dean, but I think that you're absolutely right. I was also thinking about grief in terms of Bobby as you know, he became a hunter because of his own grief. And he's also, because he's chosen to put himself in a position of being a resource to other hunters, mm-hmm. like he is, opens himself up to way more possibilities for grieving oh, because he, has, he loses other hunters like way more than, you know, John did, who was isolated from all the hunting community. Like Bobby knows all of the hunters, all of the like, he knows everyone. So like Bobby has to watch friends die a lot more often than most hunters. Mm. I think what this episode also 
does is it glosses over that the people who are dying are not just hunters. They are Bobby's friends. Yeah. There mm-hmm. is a reason that yes. Bobby was reaching out and discovered that hunters were dying. And this episode gives Bobby no room for the grieving process at all. He's no. just learned that 20 of his friends and co-workers are dead and he gets no bandwidth given to him to be able to mourn this loss, which is a significant part of the community that he's been part of. For Like we don't actually have a timeline at this stage, but mm. we know that it has been at least a couple of decades. Mm. We know that he has been part of this community for years. He does yeah. not get given the opportunity to express any sort of grief at the loss of any of these people that he has known for years. Yeah, and one of the things that really struck me about this episode with Bobby in particular is it reminded me so much of Dream a Little Dream of Me 310 mm, and yeah. the whole like the sequence where Bobby comes across the children and he's like going down through the corridor with the crowbar really really reminded me of in yeah in 310 when he was being confronted by Karen when she mm. was possessed and again it's like another sense of he didn't have time to grieve that loss because he has just been thrown into this world where all of a sudden things are not what they seem and everything is much scarier and much more dangerous and it's it's actually quite a constant with Bobby's character and because of that role that he's taken I think he feels a responsibility mm-hmm. for other hunters because he is a resource he is someone that is there at the drop of a hat to like answer the phone and be like okay you need this resource you need this you need this ingredient for a spell you need this you need this like I can provide that and so like it's even more devastating when a hunter dies that he couldn't help because mm-hmm. he is the guy who usually helps people get out of those sort of situations who provides yeah. that information also interesting that this episode they chose to go with uh his grief literally suffocating him and silencing him mm. yeah. oh yeah well, that's brutal yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> actually it is really interesting the ways in which the different like spirits target each of like the characters in this episode and actually I really wanted to mention I think it's I think KJ has that theory about how every time Dean like dies or nearly dies it's always to do with his heart the heart attack theory theory. I literally have in all caps a heart attack theory yeah (laughs) (laughs) and so yeah so it's really interesting like in this episode even like it kind of comes back to that and like you made the excellent point about like yeah Bobby being silenced by the ghost and then I have a question about when Henriksen attacks Sam. And my question is how Sam isn't dead because the uh, the way that his head gets smashed into that sink. How buff is Sam I... actually? <laughs> <laughs> and then he somehow has the ability to fucking recall the like symbol on Henriksen's hand. I'm like, dude, how are you not completely concussed? Well, it's like Sam being thrown through the fence by Jake in season yes. two. And you're like, that's the moment you should have died. <laughs> How buff is Sam actually? Yeah. <laughs> Very buff. Sam is uh, Sam's skin is actually armor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They they taught him that at uh at Smanford. <laughs> at this point, he's more demon than man. <laughs> In, that is <laughs> that is an actual legitimate theory. That actually could be why. Actually, Sam's harder to kill because demon blood. I do have a question. And Elena, I, I'm going to ask you specifically because you are oh. a native US citizen. Oh, fun. Oh, that's the first time we've actually oh, been able to say that. that. I know. I've never <laughs> had a primarily dealt with Canadians so far. <laughs> I, I will accept your condolences at this time. Please proceed with your question. <laughs> 
I, I watching the show, I have so many questions for Americans and I usually don't have someone to actually ask, but so public bathrooms, I have to know. <laughs> I actually like that. Okay. Because what the fuck? You've <laughs> clearly never been to a truck stop in the middle of Australia. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Public bathrooms. Yeah, it, okay. First of all, I'm going to start from this point. You're asking uh, the wrong person because I live in Philly and Philly is very dirty. Um, okay. Just overall. <laughs> so I've seen, I've seen worse bathrooms than that so one. Jot that down. You've seen worse? I've seen worse. Have you not seen worse? No. Yeah. I've also seen worse here but in Canada. But that being said, <laughs> most- What, what sort of world are you living in that that's a hideous public bathroom? Yeah. Don't get me wrong. It's disgusting. But like, also, it still seems functional. So that's an improvement on some of the bathrooms <laughs> I've been to. Yeah, it's but it's it's very indicative of the supernatural really leans into this bumblefuck middle of nowhere yeah, vibe. They and do. it treats yeah. it like everywhere is like that. Most places, like I, I mean, maybe this is just because I'm from Pennsylvania and maybe Pennsylvania has decent roads, like you know, roadside places or something. But any of the times that I've driven like cross state, they're they're usually not that bad at like standard no. places, but supernatural just as a show has a habit of making its road stops they're just they're all stuck in the 80s in this weird they do the way. same thing with the motels yeah, yeah. the yes. motels are all like stuck in the 70s like yeah. motel rooms do not look like that they don't have like the hipster you know barriers in them they don't have kitchens <laughs> usually like yeah. it's, it's yeah. very bizarre like don't yeah. get me wrong like I've used long drops like we have those but usually what the if- fuck is a long drop I have no idea what a long <laughs> what drop is never heard that term in my life a long drop is essentially it's a really deep hole in the ground and it's surrounded by like a small wooden shed and you just go in there and you just porta potty yeah you just go and then that's it and then it's for like campgrounds usually yeah oh yeah we have like porta potties for those yeah yeah yeah, no this is this is not a porta potty this is just the ground yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've also seen that again. Yeah, <laughs> we would call those like we would call those latrines. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's whenever I heard well. the word latrine, I just assumed or it was outhouse. a different word for toilet. No, we it's... call it outhouse as well. Oh, here. outhouse. Yeah. Oh. Outhouse okay. is typically the term for that. But yeah, those are those are definitely. No, see, outhouse is just a toilet outside. Long yeah, drop. This is just sounds intimidating. Oh, it's no outhouse here usually means rustic, and <laughs> like usually means it's like mostly oh, a shack. Outhouse is normally in Australia. Outhouse is normally just a shed with the toilet in it but like it's an yeah, actual toilet yeah. not just a long drop here it could be either <laughs> yeah we don't have a separate word for when it's just i i'm really oh. enjoying the cultural discourse that's occurring this episode <laughs> yeah, this is great um, this is like when we found out that you guys don't have dot points <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, one other uh, point about grief that I really wanted to make uh, relating to Dean specifically is the grief that he's kind of going through in like reckoning with this realization. I think the line that he says is like, God gives a crap about me personally. Like he just Mm -hmm. refuses to buy that if there's a God that he wants anything to do with saving Dean or protecting Dean. And like, he just does not, like there's this weird grief that feels grafted onto the fact that he does not believe in anything good for himself. And it just hurts. This is kind of what I was getting at when I said that I feel like Dean is grieving in innocence. Yes. I feel like he is grieving not only the innocence that he lost during his time in hell, which we'll get touched on, I'm sure, in later episodes a little bit more explicitly, but 
he's also grieving a simplicity mm. because up until this point, like all through to season seasons one, two, and largely season three, we didn't really have this like sort of overarching plot in the same sense. It was very much like every job was pretty individual. Like it was like episode of the week, monster of the week kind of thing. And now we've reached a point in the series where everything is much more sort of overarching in a different sense. And it's a lot more, I guess. The stakes are higher. The stakes are higher, but there's also like the world has been opened up in a brand Mm -hmm. new way. And Mm -hmm. I guess now that they're aware of it, like now that the door's been opened, they can't close it again. And so I think he's sort of grieving the loss of this simplicity in a life before hell where everything was still shit, but at least it was like manageable shit. It was the, it was the devil that he knew. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I think that's actually really interesting because I was thinking about how the fact that now we're getting closer to like the idea that there's a God, like that's its own kind of loss of innocence and grief. Cause like, like you said, Beth, like he's been able to sort of compartmentalize hunting a little bit more as a smaller thing. Whereas if there's a God and everything is still shit, Mm -hmm. then like that is a totally different grief. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. he was like, part of the reason Dean has said he doesn't believe in God is because he's like, I I can't believe that there's a God. And if there is that they allow all of this shitty, shitty stuff to happen. But now he's being confronted with like, if not proof, he's been confronted with other characters who are like, there's a God or there's Mm -hmm. a, there's something, some higher power, you know, that sent the angels or whatever. He's been confronted with that being more likely of a reality you know, he doesn't know it for sure, but now there's a possibility of it. And then he's grieving that because yeah. that makes everything so much worse. Look, he, he has that entire speech about like, why does God give us shit about me? And I just thought, wouldn't it be fucking hilarious if Dean Winchester is the only person on earth that he gives even slightly a shit about? If like God is like, Dean Winchester is my dwarver. If, if God is one of us, God is like, Dean Winchester is my main character. If God is like one of the six Dean coded people in our friendship group. And is like, ah, yes, Dean is my boy. I don't care about anyone else. I just care about Dean. <laughs> Elena, are you okay? <laughs> Elena's experiencing uh, Jamie's brain worms for the first time. That sentence. Sometimes people call me psychic Jamie. <laughs> that just, no, it was, it was the, I, I don't remember the last time I, I feel like I heard someone speak Tumblr out loud, like as a language. <laughs> and it was just really nice. <laughs> like it was very unexpected that <laughs> Dean Winchester is God's Blorbo because he's definitely yeah. <laughs> mine. So like relatable, but I, that was, that was beautiful. I, I just transcended to a, a new layer of fandom because of That's that. Nice. God's a tumblerina. <laughs> Actually, is it canon he had a cat vlog? Yes, it is. Yes, yes it, it is. is. <laughs> it is. Yes, it is. We can confirm at least that. Yeah. <laughs> We won't say how we can confirm it, but. (laughs) This is actually kind of tangentially related to the point that I wanted to make. (laughs) Okay. Which is when I just had a thought and I wanted to share it. I loved it. It was great. Yeah. (laughs) God tier, one might say. (laughs) Coming back to when Dean is being confronted by Meg. Basically, she's saying when she's describing her possession, she's saying that, you know, she was trapped and screaming and praying for his help. And she actually says, you're supposed to help people. Why didn't you help me? And I think that that really encapsulates how Dean is feeling about faith and about God. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because the, the whole thing is he's like, if you're here, 
why the hell aren't you helping me? Why am I suffering? Why am I going through all of this trauma and all of this grief? And then you're telling me that I'm special. You're telling me that like you have plans for me, but Mm -hmm. then like, why the fuck aren't you helping me? Like I am here. And like, literally the episode is called, are you there, God? It's me, Damon Chester. (laughs) To quote a random Crossroads Demon from like season three, your misery is the entire point. Mm. Like, mm. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'll save myself out. Dean even says, like, he's like, how does he live with himself? Why doesn't he help? Mm-hmm. Connected to what you said, Jamie, like, if God is there and Dean is going through everything he's gone to, through, he's mm-hmm. asking questions about, like, do I deserve to be saved? I'm just a regular guy. But he's sort of realizing, like, maybe in God's perspective, you're not just a regular guy. Mm-hmm. I don't like getting singled out by, at birthday parties, much less by God. <laughs> yeah. Also, the analogy of, like, God wants you to strap on your party hat is the funniest shit I've ever heard. <laughs> But also, let's face it, Dean Winchester never went to a birthday party as a kid. If he went to a birthday party, it's because he threw Sam a birthday party by himself. In their motel room with a single gas station cupcake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The last and only birthday party that he went to was his son, Ben Braden's. <laughs> <laughs> but the one line related to that of Dean's that hit me just so hard when I was rewatching it this particular time was when she says to him she's like you think you're a hero and he's like I don't yeah he's never thought he was a hero that's from season one he is not yeah he postures as a hero but he doesn't actually think he is one yeah, yeah. he's one four thousand percent believes that sentence when he says it and that breaks my heart one of the things that in the 310 actually that whole episode was full of things where I kept saying to Jamie like this will be important later and she hated it the whole time but one of the things that uh, I brought up was Sam actually says to him in that episode he's like I've given up on trying to save you you don't even want to be saved and then I was like that's going to be important later because it's not actually quite true like that's what Sam perceives but then you get a helpful tool we can use later exactly but then you get to 401 and you have Cass say you don't think you deserve to be saved and Mm -hmm. that's it that's the nail on the head Mm -hmm. like Sam was kind of in the ballpark but Cass is the one who sees it and gets it (laughs) exactly nailed on the head gee willikers I wonder why (laughs) (laughs) Dean is Dean is reckless and all of the decisions he makes can be interpreted as not wanting to be saved but it's Mm -hmm. nobody is reckless like that unless they have a reason and Dean's reason is that he doesn't think he's worth it and like yeah he thinks his value is less than everybody else Mm -hmm. which thanks John like his life is not worth somebody else's life like it doesn't matter like I think there are very few people that he would think are worth less than him so if to save somebody else what he has to do is sacrifice himself he's gonna do it like yeah. it's not even yeah. math to him. One person, yeah. two person, three person. He looks at how much they are worth and how much he is worth. And he goes, yeah, no, nah, I'm worth jack shit. Yeah. I mean, think about what is and what should never be. You know, I know what you would say, dad, your life for all those people, your soul, you know, yeah. your life for all those people, your happiness for all those people, like no contest. The fact that he was always bait as a child and teenager yeah. and adult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he has literally been positioned as like, you can be the one that we maybe sacrifice in order to save someone else. Yeah, you're the one who's disposable. Yeah. Do you know what's really interesting I, that's just occurred to me as you guys were saying that is if you think about the people, like the spirits who are confronting like our protagonist in this episode, Sam is confronted by Henriksen and later confronted by Meg. Bobby is basically only confronted by those two girls, but Dean is confronted by Henriksen, Ron and Meg. He <laughs> blames himself for all of those 
Yeah. And even when Meg and Henriksen confront Sam, it is in a much lesser sense than the way they're confronting Dean. They're not confronting Sam on his identity in the same way. No. And I think it's interesting because like the whole point of these witnesses is they're supposed to be kind of like demons in the sense like they're going for the kill shot. Like they're going for the thing that's going to hurt. And if they can get like a more of a rise out of Dean because they know that like emotionally he's going to be more like susceptible, I guess, to this Mm -hmm. kind of attack. It's just really interesting just on, you know, on top of what you were saying about, yeah, the way that Dean kind of, it feels responsible for everyone, but also like Jamie was saying. John has trained him from a young age to see himself as less valuable than literally everybody else on earth. Mm -hmm. So it's not surprising that, that he's now carried that into his relationship with Sam, his relationship with Bobby, his relationship with all of these victims. Like even someone like Ronald, like Ronald's a really interesting choice here because Ronald Mm. is a civilian who tried to come in and help, who didn't know anything, who who they tried to keep out of it. And then Dean tried to like basically tell him the truth so that they could actually continue to protect him. They've had a lot of civilians they could have chosen for this role, but they choose Ronald who like Dean saw some of himself in. This like guy mm. who wants to be a hero. Yeah. But also objectively, Rom's death was less on Dean yeah. and more on Sam. Mm-hmm. It, absolutely. Yeah. But Dean is clearly that what Dean has internalized is not that. Not that Sam is in any way responsible for Ron's no. death. But like if, if you were going to say which of the two brothers would you say is more responsible for Ron's death? It's Sam. It's also interesting that, yeah, like Hendrickson and Ron, like those are from the same storyline too, Mm. which is also just an Mm. interesting like connection there of they've dragged all of these people into their their lives, you know? Like Ronald, Mm. Hendrickson, Meg, they're all there because of the bigger story of the Winchesters, because the Winchesters are looking for the yellow-eyed demon, because they're willing to do anything to, to stop who killed their mom. Like they, everyone's there because of like rotating around them. These are not like from random hunts. These are from mm. hunts that are very specifically tied to like big shit. Winchesters and who they are. Mm-hmm. It's an odd choice to have it be sort of Ron confront Dean. But I mean, let's face it. Dean feels guilty about everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised he only had three people come after yeah. him the, with the guilt complexes that he carries. This is a, a going to be a, a wild heel turn, but there is a Star Trek reference in this episode. <laughs> yep. Yes. I need to point out because that's a big thing for That's a big deal for me. He mentioned, he's like, he's talking about, you know, like, let's go to Vegas. Let's go to Vegas. Do the Star Trek experience, Grand Canyon, <laughs> nerd Dean supremacy forever. Well, like the fact that that's his response to this is the apocalypse. And he's like, well, <laughs> let's go see the Star Trek experience. He's like, like what have I always wanted the- to do? What have yeah. I always wanted to do? Yeah. I also just want to point this out because we are going, this is going to be, we're going to have two weeks in a row with the Star Trek reference. We're going to have a Star Trek reference next week too that mm-hmm. I also love. So I'm living my my own personal moment here. <laughs> I had a thought just now, which, because we were talking about like which characters they chose to come back and sort of like be the witnesses. And I thought, like, you know, it's interesting which ones they chose and who they Ooh. chose to see. Can you imagine if Jeffrey Dean Morgan had been available? <laughs> because I, I think that would have been something else. I don't think I would have been emotionally, psychologically, metaphysically in any way prepared for that. That would have been, for Dane in particular, that would have been the ultimate. Actually, do you know what? 
depending on what spirit John knew, maybe Sam. That would have maybe yeah. actually made this oh. episode hit for Sam totally and it totally gone away. for Sam. Yeah. Okay, so I'm really curious. If you guys were to make this episode, what ghost would you choose from the previous episodes of Supernatural to target the Winchester? Hmm. Definitely John. Yeah, definitely John. John would be really interesting. See, because the person... Look, we don't meet them actually in Supernatural, but we do learn of them. The character that I would want to see confront Dean is the gay school teacher that dies in faith so that Dean can live. When the preacher's wife is controlling the Reaper and she forces him to like switch out who's going to die. And the callbacks to faith in this fucking episode particularly. Oh, Oh. That would have been so good. The Sarah Gamble long con is fucking real. (laughs) I'm definitely not going to go and open my fanfic idea document (laughs) and write that down because I'd like to be able to come back to that. Um, I also, I have one that I don't know if y'all will be expecting, but I, for one, would love to have seen Dean get confronted by that Vietnam army vet from Croatoan, the one that like drives off and is like going to be okay or whatever. And then- Especially because we don't know if Dean even knows that he died. Exactly. And he was a character that like Dean, just like anybody from like that Croatoan episode, but specifically him because he seemed to have like a pretty deep connection with that guy Mm -hmm. because he was like, oh yeah, my dad was in the army too. And so like, I think that would have been a really interesting confrontation that I would have liked to see. I think Ash would be interesting. Ash would be one of my top picks as well. Because he, like, obviously, like, the last thing we get from Ash is him saying to Dean, like, you know, I've got information, but, you know. Ash would have been gut-wrenching. Ava for Sam. Ava. Yep. Ava was robbed. (laughs) Ava would have been, oh, or, like, Andy for Dean. Oh, Andy. Mm -hmm. I think it would have been really interesting to see Sam confronted by, I think her name is Madison from Heart. Madison, oh, yeah. Who was the werewolf? Oh, this whole conversation is just Jess would also yes. have been a mm-hmm. prime suspect for Sam. Yeah. Because oh, my goodness. You know, he is direct, he is directly the reason she's dead. He's not the cause of it, but he's the reason. Imagine mm-hmm. if Sam was confronted by Mary. Oh, oh, that's worse. <laughs> Y'all are making me worse. feel things I didn't sign up for. I mean, I kind of did. Do you know what? That actually would it would be really interesting, actually, to have one like if John and Mary had both shown up for Sam, I think would can you imagine? Like, and then you have four or three next. I <laughs> oh no, God, that's interesting. Oh, that yeah. would have been wow. Would have been brutal. Way to break our own fucking hearts. What <laughs> about the hunter that Sam kills in Bad Bad Day Black Rock while he's possessed by Meg? Oh, <laughs> not Bad Day Black Rock. Um, not Bad Day Black Rock. Um, uh, born under a bad, bad sign. That was mm. my first episode. Oh, on the that's show. a bit cute. Yeah, oh. every time that episode gets mentioned, I get like a little fuzzies because I'm like, oh, that was the first one. <laughs> Uh, I would have also Corbett. Yes. Corbett. Corbett, Ted. Poor sweet baby Corbett. Sweet baby Corbett. Do you know what, actually, who would have been really interesting? And I don't know who the target would be, but Gordon. 
Oh, definitely Gordon Sam. would definitely be Sam. Oh, but Dean is the one that, but the thing is, he doesn't have, I feel like emotionally he'd go after Dean because Sam and him were always enemies. Yeah. Like they're always enemies. Whereas Dean and him had this like buddy connection. Mm. And then, yeah, like I think he could oh, honestly, he could be for both. That's true. Well, I mean, yeah, in this episode, we see them going after one and then the other, like mm. with both Meg and Hendrickson. So I, I, okay. I was just, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> we're just making ourselves feel bad at this point the sacred good supernatural that lives in our head i think that at this point what i'm realizing is a lot of people have died (laughs) a lot of people that they liked and made connections with have died yeah Honestly, like, I just, I, I kind of wish that they'd gone with, like, I think Hendrickson's a really solid choice. Mm. And, like, as much as I love the as actress recent. who played Meg, I don't love her as a choice for, like, this. I think there are certainly better choices that they could have made. That would They have don't been know more... her as a person. Mm. Yeah. Like, they like, just don't. They met her, they met the actual Meg person once as she was dying. Yes. And even then, she was in so much pain that, like, they didn't really meet her. Mm. Like, yeah. they were trying to save her life. Like, that is... Ronald and Hendrickson are good choices because they actually mm. were people that they knew. They just got caught in the crosshairs directly because of the wars. And also like Meg dies because she's possessed. Yeah. Whereas like the others die because they come into contact with the Winchester. Like it's a lot more directly connected mm. to them. I indeed. think for that reason in particular, uh, Jess would have been heartbreaking because yeah. the whole point could be, you should have told me. If I had known or if you had never, you know, put me at risk by associating with me, like, you know, like, I I think that in particular would just absolutely got Sam. Absolutely. This is such a cool, that was such a good question to posit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Look, I have moments of brilliance. (laughs) What can I say? I'm just that good. (laughs) I'm really sad that the listeners couldn't see the awesome hair flip that you did just now. (laughs) But no, it was there, listeners. The hair flip is in your hearts. Okay, I just want to say something real quick because when we recorded our episode on 402, a banger of an episode, we have a guest on our episode too. I didn't realize this, but Naomi, who was on that episode with us, she's like, oh my God, Bobby keeps his cutlery in the second drawer. I'm like, no, he doesn't. Who fucking keeps it? He does. In the second drawer? Like, yes. Yes. even we did, a, we did a Twitter poll what about this. What kind of monster? Exactly. This Bobby Singer. Right? I thought I trusted him. Does Bobby not use utensils? Probably <laughs> fucking not. But yeah, his color drawer. I was like, is in the second, is the second drawer down? Like, Bobby, <laughs> what's in the top drawer? Ne- you know, never mind. Yeah, his kitchen, I he has like know. four or five top drawers. It could be in any one of them. But he puts it in like the only bank of drawers that has like a second drawer. I have never in my life been at someone's house where they've been like, yeah, the utensils are in the second drawer. Never right? I cannot yeah, think like, of a single it's not house like I've utensils, been. It's not like tongs and stuff. It's like literally like knives and forks. Because he goes, grab it. That second drawer has a false bottom. You've got to grab it out. And it's like the cutlery holder. It's probably because they couldn't put a false bottom in the top. <laughs> like in the set. And they were like, well, you know. That is a wonderful point. On other, you know, small notes that are important to make. Dean's, I thought angels were supposed to be guardians, fluffy wings, halos, you know, Michael Landon. If you don't know who Michael Landon is. Okay. Um, Michael Landon is, is, a, is an actor. I'm going to pull up a, a picture oh, of God. him from his, the hey, his heyday. And, okay. and I'm going to present to you a theory on Dean having a type. <laughs> In the older men that he <laughs> likes. Obsessed with the picture of him in a cowboy hat. Which... He also, he, okay, so shows he was on uh, Little House in the Prairie. 
Oh, okay. he plays a very, yes, he's the father. He plays the father in Little House on the Prairie. He's also on a show. The show that, that is being referenced specifically here is Highway to Heaven, where he plays an angel character. Mm. Again, you know, this buff angel character. He also is in Bonanza. So cowboy. Stop it. Dean has a <laughs> fucking type. And his connection of Michael Landon and angels is just... Angel Galaxy. Galaxy Angel Cowboys. Is this fucking tombstone foreshadowing? That is what I was... (laughs) Yes. Yes. If you haven't before, listeners, look up Michael Landon specifically in Bonanza. Just get a good, just get a good look. He was little Joe. And just, just leave that in your heart for the next time that Dean casually references an older male from media that he may or may not have a giant crush on. galaxy brained so moments glad i got to share that with y'all because like the michael landon like i grew up watching little house on the prairie so i'm very familiar with michael landon from that specifically but i i know not everyone is and so I, this my mom delight. was big into bonanza so that see realizing he was little joe was i was like i don't i know who that is <laughs> That's my specific gay stuff in this episode. <laughs> I had a very quick point on that kind of note, actually. And I realized I forgot to mention it in our episode. So lucky I had a second opportunity, which <laughs> is there is a really interesting uh, camera shot where it's when Cass is waiting in the kitchen and Dean is like getting up and like walking towards him. And you have the shot where you can see Cass between Dean's legs. And that shot in particular is like, typically you would see it, you would look between the woman's legs and you would see the like, male counterpart. Oh my god, that's literally a, a trope in movie posters especially. Yeah, yeah. And I completely, I think I referenced it in one of our early, early episodes like, oh yeah, I'll remember to talk about that. And then I fucking forgot. So I was like, I have to mention it here, which yeah, we get that that shot. And it is so specific and it's yet another example of Dean being film techniques that are typically used for female characters or female coded characters being used for Dean specifically. Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting. It's very recurring at this point. Mm-hmm. Oh, I that love, is I love wild. That. I, I had never no, noticed. I hadn't caught that. Once you once you see it, you're like, oh, that is so like what a bizarre choice. Because it's not even like a, a common angle. Like it's not like we don't get no. this bottom down, like or bottom up rather shots very often from this show. The creative shot that yeah. they don't utilize a lot. And I I did didn't notice that specifically, but in that scene, the way they position both of them, the where their marks are in terms of where they're standing, you know. Obviously, Cass gets right into Dean's personal space. <laughs> yeah, oh personal my God. space. Who is she? Like right in his face. And I know that's like the whole thing with Cass. Oh my God. Like yeah. we're getting, but but also he's getting into Dean's space. He's like challenging Dean, and then Dean is challenging him right back. Mm-hmm. And neither of them pull away. This there's this like Magnetism. sort of current between the two of them. Tension. Yeah. That like I, I don't even necessarily like think in this scene it's like a sexual tension. I just think mm-hmm. there's this like magnetism to each other where. Cass has not been challenged on his faith and Dean is just, Dean just like pushes and pushes and pushes and goes like, maybe your assumptions about God are wrong. Mm -hmm. Maybe everything you're thinking is wrong. And Cass is like, you know, read the Bible. Like, I'm not here to perch on your shoulder. I'm not here for you. And And Dean is like, well, maybe- Maybe you are. Like, maybe there's something else here. Maybe what you're doing is actually wrong. Maybe God doesn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. And ca- you can see Cass, like, sort of, like, it being a bit of a shock to him. Yeah. But also he doesn't pull away from that conversation. I also love, in this episode, the specification of the mark on the witnesses being a brand on their soul. And the, like, you get a look from Dean as, like, a reactive shot from that. And it's, like, to his shoulder. And <gasps> it... <laughs> 
every time I land oh on your face. My God. <laughs> I never noticed that before. It looks the same. It looks like, you know, the raised brand on their hands is exactly the same style as they used for the handprint on his shoulder. And it's, yeah, it's this, when you've been raised from the dead and you have this brand, not just on your physical being, but on your literal soul. Yeah. Like this is your purpose for coming back. Like this is why you've been brought back. Like those souls have been brought back for a purpose. Dean has been brought back for a for purpose. A purpose. Yeah. And Cass even says, you know, Cass ties their fates kind of together when he says, mm-hmm. you know, you should show me some respect. I dragged you out of hell. I can throw you back in. Like yeah. I have some sort of claim mm-hmm. on you. Exactly. And it's interesting because it's not just like, it's not, oh, God raised you or like heaven raised you. So like, I, I personally- did pulled you out of the I pits dragged of hell. you out of hell. Yeah, and then, I mean, made you crawl out of your own grave, but look. <laughs> you most of the way there. It's I think fun. that was, you know, a log- I think that was a logistic problem. I think yeah. Cass didn't realize that he, like, kind of <laughs> got 99. You know, it's like when you let something load 99.9%, and you're like, it's fine, it's finished. And then you close the computer, and then you open it up, and you're like, oh, I guess it wasn't finished. Like, yeah. <laughs> oops, oops. Also, like, if Dean Winchester, no bisexual, why look at Cass's lips when Cass stands so close to him? Yeah. (laughs) I just, I would almost like to propose a counter of how many times does Dean look at Cass's lips when they're standing really close together? Because I guarantee Uh you it'd be off the charts. Let's face it. It's because looking into Cass's eyes is too intimate. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Too much intimacy for Dean Winchester. Yeah. Too much. Eye contact, way too vulnerable. Or you could count it as autistic coding. Mm -hmm. Also that, there's many ways, all of which are deeply held either it's queer coding or it's autistic coding either way we win (laughs) this is is like gonna be the season of like trans autistic dean coding supremacy and i'm also cast autistic coding supremacy um we're gonna talk about that a lot we didn't in 401 but we are gonna talk about it a lot starting now yeah this is this is me being like a uh like ex evangelical religious like raised religious sort of person the line when Cass says you know the lord works and then dean like interrupts and goes if you say in mysterious ways so help me i will kick your ass Uh, just i'm just gonna say i really appreciate it from from my own experience of having that having that line the lord works in mysterious ways like volleyed at me to like explain terrible things yeah dean being like absolutely none of that bullshit is nice the reason I wrote that down and why I like thought about it as like a more interesting take for the episode is that the full quote is, so help me God, I will kick your ass. And he <laughs> removes it from the sentence. Mm. So it's like the Lord works. If you say in mysterious ways, so help me, I will kick your ass. So like the God part is unspoken. Huh. That's a really... Dean is trying to remove God from uh, his narrative because that is... Honestly, same Exactly. Dean. And it's exactly... He even does it to Cass's name because Cass is Cass <laughs> by this point. And the TL part is the of God part. So at this point, he's already removed God from the equation. He's like, no, I'm not having that shit. Mm-hmm. He's asking Cass to do the same. He's asking Cass to question God. Yeah. This episode is like three days after Dean was raised. Mm, yeah. Dean may be God's blobo, but God is not Dean's blobo. <laughs> Love to point out that another note from the doc is uh, spirit whack-a-mole. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's the thought. Just, I saw that and I was, it delighted me. So I'm glad you appreciated that's, it. <laughs> that's, my, that's my final note on the main discussion. I also noted Sam's wrapping his giant moose body onto this yeah. couch because Dean is like, I'll sleep on the floor. Dean Winchester, better father than John. Than John Absolutely. ever could be, but only on days ending and why. <laughs> 
on that lovely note of John Slender, let's move on to our going meta section where we are tracking lore, uh, representation, behind the scenes trivia, and anything else fun that we didn't talk about earlier. First up, we have our rep check. So this includes things like the Bechdel test, any iterations of uh, gender, relationship dynamics that we didn't get to talk about already. I gotta say the first thing that jumps out that I've always hated about this, a line that I hate from this episode is when Meg is talking and she's like, oh, before that demon dressed me like a slut. Yeah. Like you were in long jeans, normal (laughs) t-shirts and leather jackets. Yeah. If you think that's, do you know what? Hmm. Mm. It's okay. just like I I hate the the constant solidification of demons. I would once again like to ask if anyone in the writers' room of Supernaturalism have ever met actually a human woman. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's a tough call. <laughs> yeah, not at this point in the show. Inconclusive. Yeah, I also like that line always sits weird with me too. Not only just because like the inherent first of all like slut shaming because like there is no such yeah. thing as a slut like honestly yeah it's so it's stupid it's like we're all about supporting women being sexually active because yeah. like exactly live your life sweetie why would this why would you care like if you were possessed by a demon why would the thing the first thing that bothered you be that like the way she dresses yeah. she dresses a different way than you dressed as a human why is that like yeah of all the violations that are happening to your body right now like surely what shirt you choose to wear that day is not (laughs) the main concern like it's a fair enough concern like it's a loss of bodily autonomy but like it's not a loss of bodily autonomy in the same way as them being able to physically control your body yeah exactly But I think it's just, it's also really weird how they like, they include that line, but then they also, to kind of make this difference, they have her having like this long, soft hair and like- they in feminize this, you know, her. Yeah, they feminize her. They give her this little, you know, like white peasant top that's supposed to, you know, suggest like innocence and purity and all that. And I just, I hate it. I just hate mm-hmm. how they characterize, like that's, that's the only two iterations of women that exist to most of these writers is like, yeah. you're either this, you know, very- feminine innocent pure little girl that needs to be protected or you're a slutty demon whore who likes leather jackets and it's just it's reductive and it's annoying and I just hate it we've only had a couple of characters at this point four seasons in that have actually not been either of those tropes yeah and it's it's frustrating what's really really interesting about it is like especially going to like female characters that we've seen die like if you look at mary and jess in particular they're like long blonde hair white nightgown like that whole symbols of purity symbols of nancy in that category as well from jason below below. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Oh yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. There's a few yeah. others as well. I want to say though that this is particularly devastating to me because it implies that after you're dead, your ghost can change outfits. And like, I've been out here dressing every day like it might be my last. Like if I'm going to be a ghost, <laughs> I'm going to be fly as hell. So like, mm-hmm. why am I putting all this effort in if I could change outfits after I die anyway? <laughs> and like, why are some of them in outfits that they died in and others are just in outfits they'd prefer? Exactly. Yeah. It's weird. And some of them are like really yeah. dirty and some of them are just not. And it's. I'd like to know <laughs> where the ghosts do their shopping before reaching this plane is my question. Where's the ghost wardrobe? Where do you go to get your selection of these are your options? You're dead now. Here's your options for what you can wear. I create a, a sim. And what's terrible is, see, I, I'm a recent player of uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons. Oh, okay. I'm just picturing, like, Meg just waddling up to, like, the dresser and then being like, here's all your options. Like, what outfit most suits you today? It's just a weird mental image that I'm having now. 
didn't ask. Okay, for so it. mental image that I love though. So thank you for sharing it. <laughs> you're you're welcome. So get this, I was looking into the lore and we have a huge swath of like important lorey things. And we didn't talk about up. it all, basically. <laughs> Who cares about the actual plot of Supernatural? Bobby's panic room was a, was a big one for me. I love Sam and Dean's reactions to it. Mm-hmm. I also love in myself the burst of affection I have for this terrifying room. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I see the panic room and I'm like, oh, it's home. Shows you how much this is going to become a significant location in Supernatural, but. Yeah. My note was Bobby's panic room, my beloved, with little love heart eye emojis. (laughs) Yes. Yes. The fact that Bobby's like, I had a free weekend. Yeah. (laughs) As if this isn't several months worth of construction. Okay, I'm going to pull out Trady Jamie for a second here. (laughs) You cannot build a structure like this, especially within an existing structure in just a weekend. Like the the demolition alone to make room for this structure would take a weekend. (laughs) I also want to know how the salt was incorporated into the iron because he's like coated in salt. Like, is this like made of the same metal that those like, you know, weird goats from Tumblr back in the day were like licking the salt deposits off of? They crave that mineral. Yes, yes. (laughs) That's all I could way back. Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> I always wondered about this too. In in my brain, what Bobby did was make like a really high concentration salt water, like as much salt as will possibly dissolve in a body of water, and then just got a paintbrush and just slathered it. Oh, like it's like a lacquer. <laughs> now nah, see what I'm thinking he's doing is getting normal paint and just dumping a whole bunch of salt in it mm. and then doing like two or three coats of that shit and then just coating it in normal paint. Mm. So it seals it in. I always so like assumed that maybe this some of the steel like hot some of it's hollow and there's just like salt poured like literally oh, salt poured like oh. at points and it's in so like again kind of protected and not can't wear away so while we're talking about salt i want to talk about the first hunter we see die and how weird it is that she literally just puts a line of salt at the entryway to the room instead of just pouring out a ring of salt and standing in it where's yeah. the salt hula hoop salt, exactly. hula hoop. salt hula hoop or the duffel bag you idiot. <laughs> Ruby insinuates that the word is getting around. Theoretically, I guess that means demons, that uh, Dean's been rescued by angels. So like the, again, we talked earlier about the stakes getting higher and like the world getting bigger. But like who told everybody? <laughs> Good question. We don't really know. Good question. Because I used to wonder about this too, but I guess like Cass like going through and pulling Dean out of hell, there would have been witnesses to that, I guess. Like, yeah. it's not like- no, I'm just imagining like the janitor of hell is like doing his job. <laughs> See like Cass running past with like fucking Dean with just the soul or whatever. And it's like, not my fucking job. And just continues on doing his work. He's like, I don't get paid enough nah. to care about the thing, like, to care about the souls here. Yeah. You going to steal something? Like, go nuts. Go have fun. Where are they going to send me, hell? (laughs) While we're talking about this conversation that Ruby has with Sam at the start of the episode, she's like, oh, like, I'm scared of the angels. Like, Lilith's scared of the angels. And Sam's like, I'm not. It's like, yeah, but also you got to remember that, like, Lilith is scared of Sam. Mm. Like... (laughs) Sam's just like, ah, if the, you like, doesn't matter. Like, like Ruby at this point is like, oh my God, like even Lilith is scared of these guys. It's like, that's a low bar. Like Lilith <laughs> is scared of Sam. Like rock beats scissors, Sam beats Lilith. So like, mm, good point. Like that's not how rock, paper, scissors work, but like also, <laughs> yeah. oh my God, it kind of is. It's like Sam <laughs> beats Lilith. <laughs> <laughs> but, yep. That's what, Yep. <laughs> 
obviously the biggest lore in this episode though is the rising of the witness as a sign of the apocalypse yeah Mm -hmm. and that this is basically like this is when we find out that the seals are being broken to raise lucifer Mm -hmm. and angels Mm -hmm. are on earth for the first time in two thousand years because of this this is this is what this is how big this act this actually is So now that we finished with that, it is time for our last and one of our favorite parts of the episode, our character blessings. So we're going to, we're going to throw this to our guest host first. We'd love to know who y'all would like to bless this week. Okay. So this week I would like to bless John Winchester because if he didn't isolate his sons from the hunting community, they would be feeling a lot more grief this episode. (laughs) Jeremy, I was not expecting that. Uh, I think I would like to bless the spirits who were raised as witnesses yeah and my reasoning is not because I think they did something particularly blessing worth in this episode but just because I think they deserve it because they already went through such a hellish experience only to die to be put to rest and then to be yanked from that and then forced to to do these other horrible things like Meg is a great example. Like she already lost her autonomy so much in life and now it's been taken from her even in death. Like fuck that. She can't get a fucking break. I think those spirits deserve a blessing just for the fact that they had to go through that shit once they'd already been through so much. I love that because I think like one of the things with blessings is that you don't need to be deserve you don't need to be like you don't need to have done something to deserve a blessing like you can just be you know Mm -hmm. they deserve it by virtue of just being Mm -hmm. yeah I love I really really like that that's really good so my blessing for this week uh goes to Dean because of who who among us can't relate to uh questioning their you know place in the universe (laughs) and you know like cosmic level questions especially after like the trauma that he's just so recently been through to then get thrown into as as we said earlier like you know spirit whack-a-mole like immediately Mm -hmm. after getting topside just feels like a lot to take on and I just the the way that he's questioning everything I connected with very deeply in this episode so a blessing for Dean as he tries to figure out what all of this means (laughs) gestures wildly at the cosmos I really, really like that angle of that blessing. <laughs> I'm going to bless Cass. It's my first time blessing Cass. I am, it begins. I have no feelings about this at all. Um, but I want to <laughs> bless Cass actually for kind of the inverse of what, Elena, you just blessed Dean for. Mm. And that's for like being someone who's very sure of what you believe. And then having someone come in and start throwing their experience, you know, their tragedies, their their doubts and questions at you. And those like actually starting to have an effect, you know, like Cass, has Cass ever heard anyone doubt before? And Dean is just unrelenting in his doubts. And, you know, I think a blessing for, for Cass for hearing those and starting to what, you know, whatever's going through his mind, like he's being confronted with something that he's possibly never experienced before. And it's the beginning of an arc for Cass. That's going to be really, really interesting. And so I wanted to bless him for, for that. Cause he responds in like mostly defensiveness and anger and fear himself, which is like, very easy to do when your worldview is questioned to be like actually i'm gonna lash out well that friends is all that we have for you today thank you so much jamie and beth for joining us this was an absolute delight (laughs) 
thank you for having us. Lovely to meet you for the first time. <laughs> yes, it was. Oh my gosh. Like you, you've been the famous Jamie from the pod for so long. And now, <laughs> now you have a face and we are, we're besties for life because this is the pod squad and we have good times here. <laughs> So make sure that you are subscribed to Saving People Querying Things wherever you listen to your podcasts and share the show with your friends. You can also follow Jamie and Beth and their shows, Driver Picks the Podcast and Thief Steals the Podcast at the links in our episode description. You can find all the links to our social media and join our Discord through our website, which is queeringthingspodcast.com. We are using our Discord to build listener community. So if you'd like to make new friends in the Supernatural community or talk to our hosts about any episodes, you can come find us there. Be sure to ride along with us next week as we discuss episode three in the beginning through the theme of ignorance. Thank y'all for coming along for the ride. We wish you a peaceful road until we meet again. Ha <laughs> ha